Hello, welcome to Art Lives, a series of interviews with artists of all media. My name is Elizabeth de la Mater, and I am a musician. On this podcast, we will talk with artists one-on-one about their art, their lives, and how they navigate the world. This episode features a conversation with Leslie Walfish. She is a gallery director, an art historian, and a photographer. Leslie explains the role of gallery directors, actually the many, many roles that gallery directors have, and she also explains how she became one. Leslie speaks so beautifully about the visual arts and their transformative value that I can listen to her speak for hours. I hope you enjoy. This is Leslie Walfish. this podcast you said but I why do you want to talk to me (laughs) but I think that what you do is very artistic in many ways and then I see you creating art all the time with your photography oh yeah I I don't feel like I'm an artist myself um you know you look at other artwork uh, artists and artwork that's out there you can be inspired by it and everything and I don't feel like I'm creating that kind of thing but um, I definitely love surrounding myself with art and beautiful things so um. so if you're not an artist who is an artist hmm that's an interesting question um, well I mean I guess it's a uh, someone who's creating um, someone who's uh, inspired to make or do uh, things and uh, someone who uh, is using their ideas and bringing out into the world, um, sharing those ideas. I, I'm not really, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very open with my idea of what is art, and, uh-huh. and, uh, and so that can open up the idea of who is an artist. Um, so that is a really tough question. <laughs> uh, but you don't include yourself in that. Uh, I see myself as someone who appreciates art uh-huh. and acts as a sort of mediator for okay. artists sure. um, to help the artists have a place and an opportunity to show their work in the best possible way that I can help them do that and um, and sometimes help translate art to people who are less familiar or less comfortable with art um, you know to help them help the general public access that art better so I kind of see myself as a sort of in between helping you know show the art and and invite the public in and make that experience the most positive it can be for both people both parties translator that's that's so that's such a great word what is um what is your job description? Mm-hmm. That's uh, I have a couple. Okay. Um, so at uh, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, I have sort of three titles. Okay. I am the director of the galleries, and under that position, I run the two art galleries that are in the Arts and Communications Building, right. which are the Alan Preby Gallery and the Annex Gallery. And in those galleries, I bring in artists from the con- around the country 
around the world if that's what's selected. Um, and I uh, show about nine exhibitions a year in um, the Allen Preby Gallery. In the Annex Gallery, we concentrate more on local artists, student artworks, or work that relates to the university in some way for the most part. Sometimes it changes up, like right now we have an exhibition with Jennifer Angus in the space, right. and she is a visiting artist that we have, she's from Madison, um, or I should say she works in Madison, but um, she selected that space in particular for her exhibition, oh. which allowed it to have a longer exhibition run, and the the wall and the intimacy of the space was better for her display. Yeah. So usually we don't have that kind of show in that space. Okay. Um, but uh, in that space, we also do about nine exhibitions a school year. Um, right. Uh, and then another title I have is Campus Curator, which m under that description, I'm in charge of the campus collection. We have about a thousand, a little under a thousand pieces of artwork that are owned by the university. Uh, they range in date from uh, things from the 1600s, 1500s, 1600s to hmm. contemporary items, um, works on paper, so prints, drawings, paintings, a few sculptures uh, in our collection as well. Uh, it's not very well known that we have this collection, so part wow. of my job is to care for the collection, document it, catalog it, um, and and then get it better well known research it and and share it with the public wow yeah i didn't know that <laughs> yeah uh, so what i'm trying to change <laughs> and then i also teach uh in the art department i teach art history classes once a semester so i teach a class in museum studies or a survey class in art history or right now i'm teaching history of photography so you you just took your students, um, or you keep taking your students on field trips. Oh yes, yeah. I find, as I was trying to explain to my students the other day, viewing artwork, seeing uh -huh. art in public is so important. Um, and um, this is why we bring in artists from all over the country to come to Oshkosh to share their work with our students and take students to art galleries and art museums, very important. If they want to be working artists, they need to see what else is out there in the world and they right. need to get inspired and they need to think of new ideas. And to do that, you have to you have to go to places and, and view work. Um, so we just on Thursday, the art department every semester goes down to Chicago. They take a bus trip down to Chicago. And so they drop you off at the Art Institute of Chicago. You can do whatever you want during that day. You have uh, like pretty much 12 hours in Chicago to do whatever you want. And so I try to fit in as many things as I can during wow. that time. Um, and we just saw a really uh, fun show. Um, there was, a in their contemporary wing, they have a new show by Toma Apps. I'm not sure I'm saying her name right. A-B-T-S is the last name. She's a German artist. Okay. And that was a really interesting, unexpected little gem of a show. Mm -hmm. I never heard of the artist before. And that's why it's so great to go and experience these things because you get introduced to like, wow, never heard of this artist before, never would have seen the work before, but really nice, detailed, thoughtful work that um, gets you excited about what's happening in the art world. 
So. Wow, that's really, that's really neat. I when you go to a museum like that, are you also personally looking at how things are displayed? Absolutely. You can't have um, studied display, uh-huh. the history of display, and 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 then create displays on your own without. You can't shut it off, um, I should say. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You're absolutely analyzing. So when we were at the Art Institute of Chicago, we went to see the Harry Who show, and um, I was with a friend, and I was very distracted by there were some issues with how they applied their vinyl lettering on the wall. Like, they clearly <laughs> had either someone who had never done it before or they had some issues with it, and some of the letters were off uh, you know, offline or, and that's a silly little thing to be caught up on, but it's so noticeable. And I was surprised that an institution like the art Institute of Chicago would have that, mm-hmm. uh, kind of mistake on display without it being corrected. Right. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I was just like, I'm sorry, but there's like multiple letters here <laughs> that are, you know, messed up and clearly had some issues with the, you can't, you just can't shut it off. And I, I teach to a class in museum studies and I explained to my students, you'll never be able to go to an art exhibition again without being coming super judgy right. of all of things. You, yeah. t- you think about the height that something was hung in, the order that it was hung in, what's lacking in the wall text. You know, uh, We're always talking about, oh, I want to know information. Where yep. can I get that information? Oh, it's not anywhere in the gallery space for you uh, to find that. You know, so... Um, talk you know think about the you know the visibility of things or even the flow through the space is all things that are super easy to to become very aware of once you start to teach it and once you start to do it yourself um so yes you, yeah, you do become <laughs> very judgmental and you can still absolutely enjoy shows. And uh, like okay. I always say, like my job, if I did my job well, people didn't realize I did my job at all. Right. So that means the lighting is perfect and no one realized there's just like, oh, this piece looks really dark and I can't see it very well. Mm-hmm. That's what they're thinking about and not the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, then I didn't do my job well, you know, so um, you're my job is to sort of be invisible, make the artwork shine, make it look its best. And so um, that's, you notice when things are off. You definitely notice it. That reminds me, or makes me think about a a producer um, or uh, uh, an editor for writing. I really enjoy when artists change our idea of what, you know, what we're expecting, they yes. they flip that, but it can be confusing if it's not explained. Right. And unfortunately, there are some artists that feel that text associated with their exhibitions or text associated with their artwork, like they feel like I don't want to tell people how to think. And that's a great idea. It's true. You want people to come to their own conclusions. You want them to have their own responses to it. But sometimes especially people who are not familiar with visual arts and the language of visual arts want something more. They want a little explanation and to provide that for them, maybe not on the wall, but if someone asks for it to give a handout or in some way have it available for those people who are looking for something more. So it doesn't turn people away and feel like, okay, I don't get it. I don't know what's happening here. I don't even know if this is a show. I'm just going right. to leave confused. That's right. not creating a 
a good experience for the visitor. And so it's a hard balance with contemporary artists sometimes as a curator to make the artist feel like your vision is getting across. Right. And um, and also say, but could you also provide something for those who might not, who, who just want something else, something additional, something sure. a little more. Um, it is sometimes hard. And, and as a curator, you often are interacting mostly with the artist um, and less with the audience. And Uh so you're, you're like, Oh, what's your vision? Let's make sure we get your vision across. And so then you forget that the visitor is who this is all for. And so you want to make sure you're doing things for that visitor. And that's one of the reasons I started doing programming in the gallery that gave people opportunities to ask more questions. So I started this program called Art Bites, you know, mm-hmm. where you have a little bit of cookies or coffee or tea and you can come to the gallery space. It's an informal, like it's, you don't have to sit down and hear a lecture about the artist. Right. Um, but you can just be like, okay, what's happening here? You know, <laughs> it's your chance to ask questions, no stupid questions, you know, that kind of thing. Or uh-huh. me to kind of give a little background about the artist and their ideas, to, to put a little framework around it, to get a little context for that. Um, and um, to, you know, pe- help people feel a little bit more comfortable in a space that you don't necessarily know how to act in. Cause there it's, I feel like galleries are a little bit like libraries. Yes. You know, you walk in and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to behave a certain way. Right. Right. I have to be quiet. I have to be polite. I can't touch things. You know, I have to, you know, shuffle along quietly, make sure, you know, you can't talk to my friend if something, you know, I have a question, you know, you, you feel like you can't do that. Right. And so I'm trying to break that down a little bit in the gallery with these kinds of programs, like have a little fun in the gallery, have nice. a little conversation, chat. Um, just so people have the opportunity to to ask whatever questions they might have or to find out more if they're interested. So, Is this a school of thought? Um, there are certain... Hmm, uh, you mean like to have more educational... Yes, or uh, do different curators have different ideas about how much interaction and education there yeah uh definitely you will see in different types of museums Mm -hmm. different types of information presented yeah and art museums are infamously the worst for presenting information um if you go to history museum you get tons of text you get sometimes a little too much text (laughs) you know and that's because a curator uh often the person designing or organizing the exhibition has spent months, if not years, researching and collecting and finding <laughs> the best examples of these things. And they want to present that all right. to a person, which is great sometimes <laughs> if you have the time for it or can be overwhelming to some visitors. But art museums tend to, especially contemporary art museums, so it started sort of in the 50s and 60s um having the artwork stand on its own um so there there is definitely trends that have led to the what we're seeing now in art museums and art galleries with that single object on the wall and no text distractions or anything but then 
there are lots of people who have done research about audience and people who have done research about audiences realize that a number of people get turned off by that kind of situation or they want more or they feel like they're supposed to know something. There's, I think, in museums a rising um, understanding that you do have to provide more. Um, So you're starting to, I mean, not starting, it's been happening for a long time, but the rise of education within museums, the rise of programming, that helps people connect with things and label writing is yeah. very important. Um, like museums have been, like they they take labels very seriously. They will start mm. writing labels again, you know, months if not years before the exhibition oh. is actually on display. They'll have multiple editors. They'll have lots of people for different backgrounds give feedback about it. Um, wow. Yeah, big museums will do that. Um, so is this what um, is this what you believe about audiences so say the amount of education and the amount of interaction you're doing right now with the museums you direct is this is this what you would like to be doing or are you doing some of this begrudgingly personally like sharing with audiences um, information about the work. Yeah. Oh, no, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I studied art history in undergrad and have a master's in art history. And so context for art, for me, is incredibly important. Um, What was the culture that created that thing? Mm -hmm. Why, you know, what were the things that drove that artist to make this thing, Uh, you know, what were their religious beliefs or what was their, you know, what was happening in their life at that time Mm -hmm. or why is blue such an important color to them or what drove them to this, you know, very tactile medium, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, all of that fascinates me. So, and I love sharing that with people. So I really enjoy that. Um, And um, I enjoy just, seeing people react to a thing yeah and then questioning them about why they are reacting in that way because then it's helping to under for them understand um more about that object so um for example if you go to see a show and you're like well i don't like that piece you're like okay like why why mm-hmm. don't you like that piece I'm like well it looks really dark you're like, okay like why do you think the artist chose such a dark subject matter uh-huh. oh maybe they were talking about something in history at the moment that was incredibly you know a war was going on right or um you know they were responding to bombings or whatever it is and then and then even if you don't like that work mm-hmm. in the end you now understand it better right and so that's always something that i i love kind of getting people to think about talk about and it helps them connect with the things and have a more memorable experience with the thing. Not just like, okay, don't like it, moving on. It's like, don't like it, but let's unpack that. Um, and so, yeah, I love doing that. And it's why I love teaching um, art history. It's why I love working with students because you get to kind of, in the formative years, kind of get at them and get them thinking about this and all of that. So. Yeah, it's great. I enjoy it a lot. And it's also why I love working with artists um, in the way that I do. Sure. 
because I'm getting to hear those stories in a way that you don't usually do when you go into a like museum or gallery space. Right. Because once cool. the show is up, the artist is no longer physically present in that space mm-hmm. and there to answer questions. But right. often when I'm working to set up a show, I'm there talking with that artist. I'm questioning them about their process or about their motivations or what drove them to this um, area. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, where did they grow up and, you know, where did they study and they travel and that can all have an impact on what is then created. Mm -hmm. And then having that artist give an artist talk gives even more background about the, their, how they got to that exhibition point that's now in our space. And so all of that is creating a bigger picture about what's happened before this thing has shown up on the wall in our space. And so for me, having those moments with the artist, having the artist give an artist talk helps me become a better better educator for anyone coming into the gallery. Right, sure. Because then I can help translate the image, you know, or uh, help them connect with the images, the visitors with the images in a better way by giving a better picture about who the artist is. Why or when did art become powerful to you from a very young age um we i grew up near washington dc in Mm -hmm. the suburb of washington dc so i was very lucky to experience all of the free museums Mm -hmm. in washington which is also a very important thing to have accessibility to museums and have a chance to go and go back again and again and again so when i was a kid all our trips in schools were often to Washington DC to museums and got in. Um, so, you know, we had the national gallery of art. We had the, um, all of the Smithsonian Smithsonian institutions. Um, so I was exposed to cultures and different perspectives at a very young age. And my parents always encouraged going to these. So I think I have a very early memory of my aunt and uncle visiting from New York and they wanted to go to the Natural History Museum and I don't remember how I moved. I think I was like maybe 10 and I was like, oh, I have this museum memorized. What do you want to see? You want to see the Hope Diamond? Okay, we go through this gallery to turn right here, go up this set of stairs and there it is. Like I had it, you know. Because I was, it was just part of my life. I just knew these spaces. They were like, you know, where we would just always go to. So, yeah. um, so having that experience um, got me comfortable in museums and galleries early, um, and got me exposed to different perspectives from around the world. I really liked. Asian cultures, especially like Chinese culture when I was really young, and I loved the Chinese scroll paintings, the landscape paintings that felt like you were going on a journey right. through these landscapes and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really liked ancient cultures um, once I started learning about those. Hmm. Um, so uh, thinking about you know ancient Greek and Roman and ancient Egyptian cultures, um, which I was all exposed to from going to these museums. Uh, so it was pretty young. That's cool. <laughs> uh, and then in high school, I did some photography classes. Um, I did um, 
have a great photography teacher who taught photography, darkroom photography in a way he would introduce us to artists and artists that were working in a certain realm, like, uh-huh. uh, say this artist works with collage or this artist works with multiples or this artist works with um unique perspectives and then he would assign a project based on like you you now you have to do unique perspectives so we'd look at the artist's work and then we'd have to go out and imitate not necessarily the artist's work but imitate the kinds of techniques that they were using fantastic it was wonderful. Um, and that's the first time I heard about art history as a field of study. Because mm. he had studied art history. My photo teacher in high school had studied uh, art history and obviously photography. And I was like, well, that seems like something that I might like, but mm. I've never taken an art history class. Mm-hmm. So my freshman year in college, I took my first art history class. And it was a survey course. Um, which is the ancient to medieval, you know, whirlwind trip of um, thousands of years of history and culture and art. And I had a wonderful teacher. Teachers make such a difference. Um, Their energy level, their excitement, their engagement with the subject matter makes all the difference. And I had this great teacher. Her area of study was actually ancient Egyptian. Oh, wow. Um, But the class you know she we're talking about neolithic the venus of willendorf you know yeah and she pulls out a barbie and she's like shaking the barbie and comparing the venus of willendorf to the this barbie and i'm just like totally hooked yeah this is it this is this is exactly what i was looking for you know this is this is everything that i love it's you know thinking about how ancient cultures relate to things that we still do today thinking about how um, the need to create has yeah. been around for so long. Uh, finding the beauty in life uh, and all, everywhere, you know, this kind of thing. So it just, um, yeah, cemented for me that that's what I wanted to study and that's what I went for. That's marvelous. Hello, I hope you are enjoying this chat with Leslie Walfish. Just a reminder to please rate and review the Art Lives podcast in Apple Podcasts. More ratings help more people find us. Thanks in advance. Okay, back to Leslie. You also have all of these extra weekends and extra nights. There are certainly out of normal you know it's not a nine to five job yeah. um, we have receptions in the evenings we have to certainly schedule the gallery to be open on weekends and evenings to make it more accessible to visitors um, and um, sometimes that means you know if you have a gallery guard that can't make it you work that shift <laughs> so um, there are definitely you, you work around the needs of the artists sometimes as well they're usually pretty understanding so 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 far since being here i haven't had to work too many weekends um for an artist coming in um but you know sometimes they're flying in at crazy hours and you have to they're changing their schedule to come visit your campus so you work around as best as you can their needs um so when did you find out that 
being an art historian meant all of this, that kind of extra <laughs> uh, on-duty time. Yeah. Well, it was certainly a choice to go into this area after studying art history. Um, when you study art history, the big question always is, what are you going to do with that? You know, as a lot of majors are asked that question. Yeah. Like how to make a career of that. Um, and I lucked out. Um, I got internships early. Okay. Um, I did an internship in undergrad at the Smithsonian African Art Museum. <sighs> And then in graduate school at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Wow. So those experiences certainly pointed me in the direction of looking toward education, museum, and gallery work. Um, I wasn't interested in going on for my PhD to teach art history at the college level. At When I first was looking for careers, and I was looking for, um, for gallery and museum work. Um, and then my out of graduate school looking for jobs and I saw this job available at Lawrence University. Um, well, actually, I was actually um, teaching at a Pima Community College in Tucson. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I was teaching at a community college art history classes, which I loved. And I realized how much I do really wor- love working with students. And I saw this job that was at a university art gallery. And I said, huh, that seems to fit all the boxes of working with artists, bringing in, creating exhibitions, um, working with a collection, and then getting to still teach students. So I applied for that job, got that job, um, and worked there as the gallery and collections assistant manager, assistant, I don't know, the job title changed a few times. uh, for I ended up being there for seven years, which is longer than I expected to be there. Um, but the I learned so much in that position and got to do so many great things. And and then toward the end, I was the acting director there for a year. So I was teaching classes and running the gallery. And once you start working on a gallery, you realize that there are these evening things there yeah. is outside of normal hours there are unusual things you have to do like you're you know you're, it's a very physical job which I, you know as an art studying art history you think oh you're looking at slides all day looking at art all day you don't you don't think about how physically intensive it is to put up an exhibition sure but you're climbing ladders you know you're putting lights up you're painting and hammering and um sanding and sometimes constructing things. Um, You are certainly carefully moving artwork around, which can be large and bulky and heavy or fragile and, you know, awkward. Um, And you, um, you know, all of that is part of it, which I also love. Like, what's so great about the job is how many different things you get to do, how many different, you're not sitting at a desk all the time but there is times where you're sitting at a desk and you're doing database work but then there's other times where you're you know fragile you know carrying this fragile item and carefully placing it on this pedestal that you painted the day before Mm. and then you're climbing up the ladder and lighting it um and then you're writing label for it and um putting those labels on the wall and um, and then you're doing outreach the next day. So what I love so much about the job is that there are all of these different aspects of it. But mm-hmm. knowing that there are so, diff- so many different aspects, it means that 
from day to day, you're doing all sorts of crazy different things, which could mean evening hours or weekend shift if necessary and that kind of thing. So, um, but it, it definitely, when I first started doing, working at Lawrence University, I, I knew that was part of the job. So you find that out uh, during the internship. Does that mean, does all your many duties mean that you had many mentors too? Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't have been here doing what I'm doing if I didn't have great people supporting me, mm -hmm. um, teaching me uh, different aspects of things, allowing me to try things, which I find is an amazing thing that mentors can do. Right. Um, giving you chances, trusting in you is a, a, a fantastic thing that I've had mentors do for me. Um, uh, having confidence in me when I didn't necessarily <laughs> have confidence in myself. Um, uh, absolutely. Um, and then being great role models in how to, you know, from everything, from how to interact with artists, uh -huh. uh, how to respect your students, how to uh, make sure that you are providing good um, uh, relationships with artists, mm -hmm. to keep up good relationships with artists, um, how to connect with people in the field. Um, all of that has been, um, I have seen others do um, that I've you know worked with and, and learned from that and tried to help my students understand that through my own um, actions as well. Huh. Now, to me, if you can uh, treat a see a piece of art, to treat a piece of art, and then showcase it, that which could include painting, creating, painting a pedestal, uh, finding the right kind of light. That to me, that is all art. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's interesting because I don't see it as art. I, I, it's certainly a a skill that is learned. Uh -huh. um, um, but yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't have labeled it myself as art. Um, but it is, it's just not something that just happens. You know, it's work. It's, um, and and then to make sure you get it right takes trial and error. And, and all of that does go into art as well. Obviously, you know, any kind of artist learns from their mistakes and tries new things. Sure. And so, um, I guess you can compare it in that way. <laughs> um, I mean, I to frame a great piece of art means you you have to understand it, and you're doing so much more than that. Um, I mentioned to you I went to your gallery when you did the showcase of the faculty art, mm -hmm. which was uh, this incredibly diverse. Um, uh, display of different kinds of um, media. So there was a quilt and there were um, playing cards and there was a big amazing sculpture mm -hmm. that I would like to build a house just for that. Yeah. Uh, and you, you found a, a wonderful way of putting it all together that um, allowed me to go on a 
a marvelous journey one afternoon and see everything. I felt like I could see everything on its own, but also it all together, it was a beautiful creation. And I, to me, that's something you created that is artistic and you don't (laughs) seem to. (laughs) Um, I, I, like I said, I feel that well, I'm, first of all, thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> it's very nice to hear that you had a good experience in the space, and that is my goal. Um, and to create that experience, there's definitely a lot of thought that goes into that. Yeah. Um, I absolutely think about how does this thing look next to that thing? How So there are design choices that are going into um, in my finalizing of the placement of objects in a space. Um, there are flow issues that you have to think about. You know, there are um, balance issues that I always think about. So you spoke about that big sculpture. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that, you know, to one side on the right. I right. wanted to balance it out with something that was also just as tall mm-hmm. to the left side of the wall. And then then there was a space in the middle and what could go in that space? Well, I thought about maybe something small and intimate. So I had those little paintings in the center. Yes. So I'm, I'm absolutely considering design elements that will help a space feel welcoming, inviting, and then provide that opportunity to give each object its room to shine. Um, so I absolutely do think of all of those things when organizing an exhibition when I can, um, Hmm. And to do that, um, a lot of the artists had given me sizes of their objects, the medium of their objects, or the title of their objects, but I hadn't seen the objects in person. So for me, once all of the works got into the space, I was able to then try to imagine where they would go. So sometimes that means moving a lot of things around. Uh Um, You know, moving, okay, I had a vision that, well, we have one really tall wall. Right. So obviously something very tall should go against that wall too. You don't want to put something tall in a small space. Sure. Because then it becomes about that juxtaposition and not about the object itself. Um, if that's the goal of the art, then you certainly want to do that. But if it's not, you don't want to force it into a space that it would feel obviously about something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that kind of, already dictates where certain things are going to go. But yeah, and I think I probably moved things around that space probably seven times. Um, And then once I finally got that last iteration and I looked around and I, it it was a moment I took this big breath and I was like, this is right. Like this feels good. This is what, how it should be. So it was like, Hmm. okay, I found it. Here it is. And that often takes, almost as much time as it does to actually physically put the objects on the wall Um, because the rest is just math and hammering and um, right and marking it out you know lots of measuring Um, and so that part of it you need to give it a lot of time to get it right Um, and sometimes you don't get it right there was a show that we had last year a fantastic artist's work um, and I I felt disappointed with how I displayed it. Hmm. I felt like 
I was limited by certain things. Mm -hmm. um, there was like damage to a 3D piece, so I felt like I had to put that 3D piece against a wall when I would have loved to have had it in the center of the space so people could walk around it. Right. Um, and then that dictated that certain things were going to have to go in certain places. And, um, and, and when I looked at that show, I was like, all of the elements that that artist created were fantastic, but I didn't make all of those elements in that whole experience feel right, feel in place, feel like they made sense necessarily. To me, I was disappointed. I'm not sure anyone else would have noticed, um, but to me, I was like, oh, this could have been better. If I had spent more time figuring out this layout, um, it would have it would have felt more cohesive or for, felt more as it should have been. Um, and so, you know, you definitely get it wrong at times, but that aspect of creating, thinking about balance, thinking about spacing, thinking about how things relate either thematically, color-wise, texture-wise, or feeling-wise, mood-wise next to each other mm -hmm. is important. Um, and so, and then there are some happy surprises that you always find sometimes after the fact. Hmm. So in the case of the faculty exhibition, I discovered that big sculpture piece that you were referring to yeah. um, was uh, relating to a political thing, which I hadn't realized when he explained to me what he had was creating. Oh. Um, and, and then um, it was next to another piece that was very overtly political and then next to uh it, so it was in between these two another uh, artist piece which was secretly political or in her mind political oh wow and i didn't realize that until after speaking with the artist huh. and it just happened to be like this whole corner of the gallery had this sort of quiet statement going yeah. on um so that was a nice happy little accident and sometimes you purposely create these relationships that not necessarily the artist would have put in there, but in my mind, I love little, I like playing with things and telling mm -hmm. little stories that people might not necessarily get, but to me, it's like a little joke um, cool. in the space. So one time I, the student was organizing a show and I, there was a piece he had and it was a little, um, like a circle. It looked like a kind of like a period yeah and i was like you should end the show with a period like this you know? uh, sure, <laughs> like sure, sure. Just, to me that was funny nice and it and it fit well in the space in that order and everything so this is like no one else would have gotten that but it's just a secret little joke i have when curating or sometimes you have like oh this this work is looking over at this other work yeah um, and oh, they're kind I of having that. You know, yeah yeah mm -hmm. so um so so yeah curators definitely have those little moments that they're always looking for or seeing something through something else mm -hmm. is also a big thing so if you have um oh. vistas or you know um how are they relating right so you're you definitely have to think about it from all sorts of perspectives how are you so so for you yeah you are improving by doing you're practicing your craft Absolutely. Um, I'm always learning from uh -huh. the experience. Um, I'm always uh, trying to improve myself and uh, how I can make it more efficient, how I could uh, make it a better experience for the artist, how I can make sure that I'm doing this for the best visitor's experience possible too. Um, so, 
yeah, I'm, I'm always learning. Um, and I've been doing it for over five years now. Mm -hmm. And I've changed so much as, as a curator, as a, you know, designer of exhibitions in that time. And I'm sure that will continue to happen. Are you surprised, um, by anything, any part of your job or any part of the curator you have become? I'm surprised people pay me to do it. <laughs> I'm surprised people pay me to do something I love. Um, how did I get that lucky? Um, <laughs> that's something that surprises me. Um, yeah, well, um, and then other things that surprise me, um, or I guess things that just make me get excited to go to work every day uh -huh. are things like um, knowing how students are going to respond to this or how they're going to interact with this or how they're, you know, I'm introducing them to a new artist and they're going to geek out over it because this artist mm -hmm. is doing amazing things. So all of that gets me like so motivated and excited to do that. Yeah. And that I, I feel that every time I put on a new show wow. and that excites me and that it doesn't surprise me because that's how I feel about going to shows too yeah so but again it's like how do I get so lucky that this is what I get to do for a living cool um, uh so that's something that I don't know do you have um uh do you have a favorite thing that you when you read about new shows uh, that are going up somewhere else? There are certain trends in the art world uh -huh. that I find intriguing and uh, that get me super um, excited. Uh, one thing that's very popular in art, contemporary art right now, um, is the idea of interactive art or yeah. um, art that is engaging the audience in a different way. Um, so it's playing with that expected gallery experience. Don't touch the art, you know. Right. Um, this is inviting you to touch. It's inviting you to leave a mark or to change it or to be part of that art experience. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, I, I'm really intrigued by artists that are working to break the expected norms mm -hmm. of that gallery experience in that way. Um, and then artists that are, um, have some kind of important perspective to share with the world and are using their skill as an artist to get these ideas across. Um, so whether that's having artists that are traditionally underrepresented in museums and gallery spaces um, have a voice in mm -hmm. these spaces, that gets me really interested and intrigued and excited. Um, and... Um, uh, and then sometimes you're just always astonished with people's ingenuity, people's invent, you know, inventiveness, people's skill. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, if you can just stand in front of a beautiful piece, whether it has some kind of political meaning behind it or not, it's gonna it can affect you in a way that 
it's, you know, it's like listening to a great piece of music, you know, looking at an amazing piece of artwork can be transcendent, you know, it can be take you to another place, it can separate you from all the stress of the world. Yeah. And you can just be and exist in that moment of standing in front of that piece, and being excited by it or being, you know, looking at it for a while, um, and being in that moment. Um, so there's a lot of great things about being able to work in arts. <laughs> So for you, you do you have a favorite medium? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, so uh, right now in the gallery, um, something that was unusual about the UW galleries is that UW Oshkosh galleries is that it's actually student run uh, in the sense that students get to decide what shows come in right so students have been pushing for so this last year they were very interested in bringing in installation artists yeah um and installation art means that it is um transforming the gallery space in some way it's not about a piece of artwork or um you know as a singular thing but mm -hmm a whole bunch of things that create a new space. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why we have artists like Jennifer Angus in the Annex Gallery, and we're gonna have another artist in um, the spring semester, Julia Borello, um, from uh, New Mexico, who teaches in New Mexico, who you know think uh, creates unique artworks for that specific space. Um, so installation art in general tends mm -hmm. to be doing a similar thing of like interactive art that is 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 kind of changing up this you know white box changing this space yeah. in some way making it a new thing um and and i i enjoy those experiences yeah um so i do like installation art a lot i wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite but um but it's it's nice to be in a space where you feel it's been transformed and and some a lot of them are specific designed for that site so it's a site specific installation you know they this artist has spent the time finding out the measurements of that space creating um a, a project specifically designed for only this unique moment of that gallery um, yeah. exhibit and that's super exciting too because it's a one-of-a-kind kind of experience right um, so those are always fun to see do you have a favorite time period of music history? Music history? Mm hmm Music history? Listen to me. Art history? <laughs> do you have a, your, or do you feel like uh, most of your um, time and energy now, other than your art history class, is, is on the now, is on presenting current? Um, I change often. With yeah. what my favorite oh, is, neat. depending on lots of factors. Um, so I got a master's in art history in uh, area of concentration in classics. So uh -huh. it's actually in ancient Greek and Rome. Um, my master's thesis was actually on uh, Roman depictions of black Africans. Oh. Um, so this idea of depicting this quote-unquote other that's uh. part of the community um, and thinking about was it depicting racist images was it depict was it a fascination with someone that looked at you know so that was um, and and with that is always about the idea of this cultures coming together right um, in this specific time and how did they come together and what does it, how is it reflected through their art 
Um, So that was my master's thesis. But since that time, I've had the great privilege of being able to work with these different collections Mm -hmm. that are so varied. Um, So at Lawrence University, what with their collection, um, they have a collection of ancient Greek and Roman coins, actually. So I was able to continue to work with items from the area of my study, but then Mm -hmm. also they have everything to contemporary prints um, and drawings and everything in between. Um, And and then I started, when I started pursuing my interest in museum studies and my master's in museum studies, I started thinking about the history of collecting. Um, And that's something that I'm very fascinated with as well. So, you know, with the, you know, starting off as early as the, you know, Renaissance period with these, you know, rooms of that they would collect or wunderkammers or cabinets of curiosity. And then with the enlightenment and starting to classify things and Mm -hmm. label things and discover things from around the world, all of that's fascinating. And then um, I have a lot of interest in photography in general. Right. Uh, You know, I took photography in high school and, and in college. And then um, I worked in a number of photographic collections, both at the Smithsonian and at the Met. Um, and so photography has always been a, a medium that I, I enjoy. Um, and I'm teaching history of photo right now. Right. And so when I'm teaching something, I get so excited about that thing, <laughs> usually. Um, and so, um, you know, from the 1830s and the invention of photography um, as a medium of uh documenting objects in the world Mm -hmm. to how it becomes an art form um, is is a fascinating era as well. So like I said, it changes all the time, kind of depending on what I'm working on at that moment, what I'm studying, or what I'm researching, or what I'm presenting to students. Um, It's always changing. Hmm. That's great. That sounds, I mean, that sounds like you're the perfect person to do what you do. I would guess there are some museum directors out there who don't invite artists um, just because they don't care for that kind of art, or if they do, they don't they don't display it well. Um, well, certainly in the museum world, there are different types of institutions mm-hmm. um, and sizes of institutions right. that can depend on what it is you do. Um, so, for example, large institutions like the Metropolitan Museum of Art or yeah. um, you know, the Smithsonian, you have so many staff that the staff become very specialized. So if you are a cataloger in yeah. a museum, that is what you're doing. You're not interacting with artists. You're not um, uh, conserving artwork. You're not necessarily displaying that artwork. Your duty is to catalog. And for people who love cataloging, that's the ideal job for them. They don't want to be doing all of this other stuff. Right. But to work at a university art gallery, usually, especially the one that's the size that ours is, where it's a staff of one full-time person and then student staff um you know in and out yeah um, you are doing everything 
So it takes a certain type of person to who is interested in doing all of those things mm -hmm. to be in that kind of job. Um, and if you want to be just a database manager working at the computer all day, not installing shows, not working with artists, not working with interpretation of artwork, not working with educational outreach, then working at a small institution is not right for you. Yeah. Because smaller institution, you're doing a lot more of everything. Bigger institution, you're doing one thing and you do that one thing really well. And that's what your specialty is. Um, so it can depend on where you go um, mm -hmm. into the art world and what your interests are. Um, that can depend on what you end up doing. Sure. I imagine that goes with personality type too, uh, big time. Definitely. And there are some people that are, you know, they're very happily introverted. Yeah. Um, and they love working with collections. Yeah. And, you know, they are pros at that. And they are, you know, incredibly, incredibly analytic. They can, um, uh, they really enjoy metadata and, you know, can, you know, um, make sure everything is in its right place, in its right, um, uh, all the information is accessible, you know, they're really good at that. Uh, and then there are some people that are all about other people and interactions and <laughs> all about, um, you know, m creating experiences for visitors. Mm -hmm. And so those would people be people that are out there in the galleries giving tours um, or creating, um, you know, these experiences for visitors or, um, you know, uh, there are people who are um, uh, trained at creating um, exhibition, uh, what would it be like, you know, display cases and all of that. And yeah. they're very good with their hands and they're very good at, you know, woodworking and um, can create, you know, so you need different skills for the different areas within museum or gallery work that you're going into. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for, for so certain personalities are great for certain kinds of jobs. Um, for my kind of job, you have to be able and willing to do all of it. Which you are, which is fantastic. Yeah, and there are definitely certain parts that I like better than others. Yeah. I don't love lighting, oh. um, but lighting is so important and makes such a difference yeah. that every time when I'm done lighting, I'm like, oh, yes, this is what it needed. <laughs> that is, And it's always the last thing that's done, too. Okay. So then when it's done, you know, then there's a little bit of cleanup afterward. You know, you sweep up the floors and everything. Sure. But you're like, oh, the show, it's up and it looks good oh. and it's working and, you know, it's, you know, so it's always that wonderful moment when it's done, but in the middle right. of it, you're climbing up ladders and you're carrying these cans and you're reaching over your head on, you know, tw 12 feet up in the air or 15 feet up in the air and you're, you know, doing these things. This isn't like the best thing in the world. Huh. <laughs> and thankfully, I'm not afraid of heights, so it doesn't bother me like it might with some people. But, um, but there are, you know, there's things you do that is not necessarily your favorite, but you do it because you know it's going to make a difference. I know people who specialize in this in theaters. Yes. Yeah. And you have, how did you learn to do that? Um, experience, you, you get the experience through uh, working under someone who's doing it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so what is, uh, are you already doing what you'd like to be doing in five years? Yes. Um, yeah. I I remember 
um, probably six years ago, uh-huh. I think I was asked, so, you know, what do you want to be doing in five years? Right. And, and it was, I want to be doing, I want to be a director of a campus art gallery. And like I said, I can't believe someone pays me to do this, but I am now a director of a campus art gallery and I love it. Um, uh, do I want to be doing more? Of course, there's always mm-hmm. more I'd love to be doing. There's always, you're always kind of looking for new challenges. Um, things I'd like to be doing more is also working with the community of Oshkosh more outside of the campus community Mm -hmm. and getting the arts a higher profile Mm. in Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I can do both, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't have to leave one to do the other. Um, But I'm starting to form new goals and um, thinking of ways, brainstorming ways to do that. Um, So those are things that are on my mind, but haven't happened yet Um. yeah um we've already talked about how busy we get during the semester of course yeah uh and you have to take your students to other galleries but what do you what do you do personally um uh to feed your soul artistically definitely visiting uh, so, you know, I bring my students, but I also enjoy going, mm-hmm. um, uh, going to art galleries and art museums and, and seeing art, um, speaking with artists, mm-hmm. um, uh, other things I do, um, on a personal level, I mm-hmm. guess, um, uh, um, going out and exploring the the area, exploring the neighborhood, going for walks. I have my two dogs that I like taking mm-hmm. out for walks and um, kind of just being out in nature kind yeah. of helps feed the soul, I feel, and helps regroup you after all the craziness of the <laughs> semester or after a crazy day. Um, having that dog there that needs that walk is actually a great thing. <laughs> yeah. Because you just have to get out. Um, no matter what the weather is, you have mm-hmm. to go for this walk. And so that's that's helpful. Um, uh, and then uh, reading is also another big thing that I enjoy doing when I can fit it in. <laughs> right, right. Um, yep. uh, reading for fun, but also, you know, reading about things that are happening in museums and galleries and and shows and art, what artists are working on and that kind of thing, it all helps get me energized about new possibilities of things to do nice. uh, in work. So that goes with the one thing I do ask, um, I am asking people for this podcast is if you uh, can list three things that, that, you've, um, that you can recommend to other people, three things that have inspired you lately or that, that you're being inspired by right now and they can be anything um um anything certainly at all. uh one thing that has been incredibly helpful for me mm-hmm. is to speak with others in the field mm-hmm. that are going through the same thing that you're going through and having the same kind of you know challenges or ideas or thing you know having a gathering where you talk with them, where you just, you know, de-stress or you're, um, you know, 
getting each other like, you know, what are you working on? Oh, this is what I'm working on, you know, sharing uh, those ideas, learning from those experiences. So um, it's not, I hate that word networking um, <laughs> because <Right>. I myself <laughs> feel like I'm not a good networker and they're always, you know, everyone's pushing to be a great networker. But, uh, uh, but at least uh, trying to connect with a person who can relate to you yeah. and who can, you can hash out ideas with or you can um, hear what they're working on and give and it might in some way plant a little seed in your mind that could eventually lead to something um, that's been really helpful and we're very lucky here in Wisconsin that there's this group of curators that gets together twice a year mm. um, and the group has grown and grown and grown um, as more people found out that this is there and there's more and more interest in creative fields in cool. Wisconsin cool. so um I find just gathering with them, just even if it's just twice a year, getting together and talking with each other has been super inspiring nice. um, and is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing um, is for me, so I am, uh, I've joined the membership of American Alliance of Museums, which is a uh, organization that um, works with accredit- accreditation for museums. They publish a magazine um, called Museum <laughs> Magazine. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and they um, they also come with this nice, handy little card that uh-huh. you're a member of this organization. And this card will get you into museums that are accredited for free. Whoa. So, you can go to Chicago like we did on uh, I did on Thursday and I can go into the Art Institute without having to pay if I you know I want to support organizations but sometimes we don't have you know if you're in a city for a short period of time you might not have the $40 to go to the Shedd Aquarium the $25 to go to the Art Institute and the $20 to go to the Field Museum all in one day that's a lot of money to drop um, so if you are a member of this American Alliance of Museums you can get into any of these accredited institutions for free wow. so I always suggest students can pay I think it's they get a student rate of maybe $75, maybe less. Amazing. And for 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 anyone else, it's like $100 wow. for the year. Wow. And you can go into any museum for free. And that just, like, it opens up doors that might have put, an you know, this price tag might have put an impediment to you going. Mm-hmm. There's now no excuse to not go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always suggest people do that. Um you know, get this, uh, you know, get the AM, you get the great museum magazine, which is really a, a terrific magazine because it talks about current issues that are happening in the museum world. It, it talks about award-winning labels and how to engage audiences and mm. how to bring in diverse audiences. You know, you know, they're dealing with all of these issues that we were talking about today. Um, but then you're also getting this handy dandy card that can get you in. And that's always a really, um, great thing that reminds you that um, you should be going to museums and seeing shows Um, um, and then I think so your question was what are three things that yep can be inspire you or can be leaves it can yeah Um, the dogs it can be uh, I would say well I think a really big inspiration for me was my family. Yeah. Um, my family was incredibly supportive of me 
which allowed me to follow a field that I didn't know where it was going to lead me mm-hmm. that didn't guarantee I was going to have a paying job. Right. Um, that they, they never questioned my dedication and my interest and mm-hmm. they always found ways to help support it. Um, and having anyone in your life that will provide that for you. And now I have that with my, my husband, my partner, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I decided to go back to school while working a full-time job, hmm. while we had just moved into a new home, like, or I took a job that was out of town and it meant he was taking care of all of our animals on own. Having that someone around you that supports you yes, allows you to do anything, um, allows you to follow what you need to follow to get to where you need, you hmm. want to be. Um, so that's, been incredibly inspiring to me and makes me want to be that person for other people too um you know like mm. when i catch myself being like oh annoyed that you know oh he didn't clean out you know my husband didn't clean out the dishwasher i'm like wait a sec he had a crazy <laughs> busy week and he's always been super supportive when i needed to be away for you know a conference or be away for you know work or you know Mm -hmm. whatever let me give him a break (laughs) let me do this thing you know so it makes me try to do that for other people um as well so i guess that goes back to that mentorship thing too where you know if you see that demonstrated by other people you want to do that um if you have those people around you who are supportive of you it helps you to be a more supportive person as well and that can make all the difference, or it has for me at least. That's a beautiful perspective, and I'm glad you have that. I feel very lucky, because I know it, it, it's just luck. <laughs> um, I, I did not make that happen. Um, <laughs> my parents were that way, and you know, my, um, obviously I, I picked a partner that was that way, but um, yeah, it's, having those people can make all the difference yes it can yeah good well thank you for sharing those of course Hmm. is there anything else that you want to share um i mean obviously everyone who's listening probably to your podcast um has this feeling about art and how art can be transformative or how art can be inspiring or how art can uh you know, art and music i mean i'm referring to the all the arts yeah. um uh, and and so just surround your you know i just want people to surround themselves with it all the time it's just it makes you a better person it makes you a you know, to be exposed to different perspectives, to see different worldviews, to um, come into contact with people who have different experiences than you. Art allows you these things. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, make sure that you you keep having it in your life. That's just what people need to do, have art in their lives. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. You have been listening to the Art Lives Podcast. I am so grateful to Leslie Walfish for talking with me. 
If you have a chance, I recommend a visit to one of her excellent galleries on the campus of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. I posted links to those galleries, plus links to that museum membership that she spoke about on the Art Lives page of my website, which is elizabethdelamater.com. Please remember to give us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts site and help me to give muchas gracias to Eduardo Moreno, a Honduran graphic artist who made us our beautiful new logo. Thank you so much, Eduardo. My deep gratitude to Bill Salek and special thanks to composer Nicholas Myers, as always, for the use of the opening music and the music you are hearing right now. Thank you so much for listening to Art Lives. <laughs>